Hello! Welcome to The Honest Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. It's Sunday evening. I'm joined by Nick. Uh, no Nick. So sorry. Nick? Not Nick. I'm joined not Nick. by Tom That's and Dylan. Neil. Okay. Tom and Neil uh, have joined me today live, as well as everyone on Twitch, everyone on the podcast, and those thugs from YouTube. Uh, so hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, Neil, how are you? I'm good, buddy. Good, good, good. I've had a chill since Tom earlier off, off cast. I had a chill day. My wife gave me a lion, and then I was even allowed an afternoon snooze, and I went for a walk. That's been my day. What a great day. Uh, Tom, how you doing? You well? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I had a good day. Uh, I've seen some mates. I've also been to Warhammer to get some green stuff. Oh. And then when I drove in uh, to my driveway, I realized that I hadn't got the green stuff because I'd instead of walked in, seen Bellacore, got distracted and bought it. <laughs> uh, so now I don't have green stuff, but I do have this. Do have um, Bellacore. I saw nine on the shelves. There are now eight because I bought this one. Okay. I think the person behind me bought one as well, so maybe seven. But go and get yourselves Bellacores if you live near Nottingham, guys. Yeah, there's a, there's a Bellacore available. Uh, what, is it, uh, what is it that inspired you to pick Bellacore up? Uh, the fact that I've got two small Bellacores and I can put them next to the big Bellacore on a shelf and it'll look really cool. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that's pretty that, much me. That's, that, that that's really worthwhile. Uh, I've so always everyone... been a big fan, so it's it's one of those where I like to use a model where I can, and so now it's got a new one. Got to use it. Got to use it. Uh, so today, everyone, uh, we're just going to be normally on a Sunday evening. We would, of course, be talking about the pairings for uh, the WTC Greek Hammer. That being over, uh, there's a whole bunch of really cool, like community kind of like uh, subjects uh, that Neil and Tom are both very interested in having mm. a conversation about. So that's today's show. They kind of they they run the gamut from judges at events to um uh like to like the professionalism of events. I think in, in is kind of at the core of most of the conversation. To I guess to the veracity of the game at the minute with uh the truly ludicrous. Although uh, we can't as of yet we don't know um how that final game is going over uh, in. Uh, I think it's going to be over. It's, it's going to be a win. Yeah, bad mech. John Lennon, John, Lennon is back, John Lennon is back in the corner, and I don't see where he can get out of that corner. The guy, the Admec player, is a really solid player, and he's actually part of Team Battle Brothers, which is um, Sean Naden's team. Like, and the list is designed with Admec in mind. It's a super solid Admec list, and it, and it creates a real problem for Dark Elder. You know, it's got loads of floaty boaties, and Dark Elder don't like lots. Dark Elder don't like lots of T7 tanks, basically, and that's why it's full of. Amazing, amazing. So we finally found. We finally found. It turns out the meta will adapt. We just had to wait. That's and it's not even we... adapt. This is a solid list. This is the kind of list that Rickard's been playing for months. It's a pretty solid admec list. It's not really changed from the norm, to be honest. Yeah, like there was there was nothing in there that really shocked me. If you guys aren't aware of what we're talking about, there's an event in uh, America at the minute. I think it's in Texas. Uh, Dallas yeah, Open. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas Open. Um, and uh, it's an eight-round event. Going into the final, there are two un, kind of undefeated lists. There's an Admet list, which is very similar to Admet lists that we have talked about ever since we did the Admet show on the Honest Wargamer with Rickard ages ago. Electro Priest, three units of Electro Priest inside uh, the floaty bogey, some. Um, um, so uh, the the transport some three court scorpus destroyers, um, and then uh, and one uh, one helicopter, uh, and then uh, I think two times two uh, dragoons with the las cannons, uh, yeah, as well. So like there's just a bunch of stuff. I think like I think one of the interesting elements there is uh, Drukari suffering to the thing that they're so good at is that transport issue. They've got yeah. like that you know they're almost being out transported in that situation, and everything inside is. Is arguably more deadly than the transport uh, belonging to the Drakari. 
so yeah, very. Well, it's, it's not deadly. It's just that you know, Jukari. Apart from the, uh, you've got a few dark lances, but there's, there's not enough to reliably pop those tanks quickly enough, and. You know, it's just going to be a struggle then because the uh, the admech just take control of the board and just say, "You come near me, I'm going to jump out, and I'm going to mortal wound you to death." And Jakari don't like being hit by mortal by mortal wound output because it goes straight through their invul saves. It does. It does straight yeah. through. Uh, so that's going to Neil. Do you want to kick us off with the uh, the first kind of topic today? <sighs> I don't know. Should we, should we get into my <laughs> which rad? We've got like a list. We've got a list that Neil posted, don't we? Yeah. Let's. You can have let's take, well, what, 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 what was it? You you want to talk? Should, should we talk Tom, do you, want to, oh, do, you want to, yeah. do you want to throw up a picture for us? Uh, I No, but I will take a <laughs> screenshot of it um, and I will post it in the chat and then you can put it in the description. Thank you very much. Yeah, so no Innis on Twitter decided to screenshot a picture from a stream of someone who was walking around the Dallas Open today. Yeah. And this guy who was wandering around uh, or he just took a picture, I can't tell which. But anyway, Innis has acquired this picture of a board. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> Revy Sass has noticed the dice. <laughs> but I've, uh, I've put in the chat, um, it appears to be two L's that have been pushed directly put tip to tip in the center of the board, and they are massive. <laughs> I really hope someone's cheating, because if they're not, that is bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that someone has definitely shoved the terrain together. Now, whether it's you know deliberate or it's like last round at the end of the previous <laughs> game, it could be. It could be the previous you can't game. Tell both me that's an accident when you walk up and see that. Yep, yeah, that looks about reasonable to me. Tom, Come on, Tom, Tom. Right, honestly. So, so how many times has happened when you finish a game, you put you you, you push terrain out of the way to put your tray on the table to gather yeah. models up, yeah, sure. right? And then obviously you walk. People, a lot of time people walk away, not really just the terrain. Yeah. Believe, how many times do you think it happens at the, that happens at WTC and in the next round? Oh, have, loads. Right, players come up to me going, yeah. uh, is the terrain meant to look like this? And it's like all shoved yeah. into a corner. And it's like, yeah. do you think the terrain's meant to look like that? Of course it's not. The but point people, is, though, people, people see it and they think, that. I should ask the ref and make sure the terrain looks like that. If the terrain, if you walk up to a board and see that abomination in the You sense, know it's wrong. You know stop. it's not meant to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not... It's it's honestly not tippity top, is it? Uh, ultimately, no, no. as terrain, um, uh, and I think that's kind of one of the criticisms. And I think maybe cuts to the heart. It's kind of uh, it's not meant to be like uh, you guys can see it on the screen if you're watching live, um, and if you're watching back on YouTube, obviously don't say nothing threatening in the chat because you mental the YouTubers. This is my new thing, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Cuss40k, thanks for resubscribing. Wargaming Dad, thanks for resubscribing to the pair of you. Thanks everyone for joining us live. Uh, yeah, like not the greatest terrain in the world either. Uh, also, Neil, those um, logo objective markers, which you know I loathe. Uh, oh, although beautiful. probably I've, I've very told vendor- you, I've told you, Rob. When it comes to the WTC, we're going to have logoed objectives everywhere with your you face are. on it. No, Every single no. objective is going to have your face on. Well, they'll all be replaced I'm with out. teams who's defending <laughs> objective markers. Okay, when we're defending this team, Wales, I'm taking all the Rob faces off and slapping a big dragon on the board. Okay, yeah. No, it's a board that we're defending. Okay. <laughs> I, I, actually had that, I actually had that as a legit idea for uh, the WTC patron that someone could pay like 200 euros to get their face on the objective markets on the street. Jesus. <laughs> I'm uh, sure somebody would. Bits of anatomy. 
<laughs> hey, can I just say a big shout out to whoever's actually playing on this game, though. Really important to me that, they, as you can see, they've got a baggie there of uh, fruit and a banana. So just keeping up the, that potassium and also that vitamin C levels, really important in an eight round event that you stay well, hydrated. Yeah. Can, can I make a point about, look at the size of that L compared to the size of the man on the other side of the board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's disproportionately <laughs> not I the biggest fella. a big L or a small man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, more Chevy, for the bits donation. Uh, but this kind of brings us on. Th- I think this. I think this brings us on to uh, the professionalism of events. I mean, we could talk about Drukari. We'll pivot to that in a bit. Uh, but the professionalism of events and also what's going on at this event um, as well. <laughs> this is a Warhammer 40k tourney from Wish.com. <laughs> now <laughs> I've watched. I've watched. My life, I've... my wish is not to play in this event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, to be fair, right? We, we were banned from. But to be fair, they did. They did whack up. It was about a month or two ago. They whacked up some pictures of the boards, and it was like shocking. Quite frankly, and then you have people like Nick Nanavati and that going on, going. Uh, I was coming to your event. I'm not now. If that's the terrain, and so to be fair, lots of TOs would go. You know, screw you. Don't tell me what to do. But they actually said, okay, you know, if the terrain's not that good, tell us what to do to improve it. So they were up. They were, you know, they were open to feedback. But I do feel it's a wee bit of a case of, you know, it's a 160 player event, I think it is. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's a little bit of a case of, you know, they kind of bit a little bit too much, a little bit more than they can chew. They haven't got the time to update this, all the train to ninth that they need to get updated because it is a big jump from eighth to ninth. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be a, it's going to be a continual conversation. No, like that's going to have a bad impact. Oh, right. No, it's fine. I'm just saying, if it's all make to fuck off, then it's going to have a bad impact, right? So, also, I want to thank uh, Cuz Forty K for hundred bits, by the way. Much appreciated. Thank you Thanks, very much. Thanks, Cuz. What up? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that. Like, I think this this seems like an example of just a tournament that's growing too fast, too quick. Um, and I think you know that's hard, really, for TOs to say no to, especially in America, where they're in Texas, where they've just got room for days. Their restriction isn't really room. It's what, like, how many tables and boards can they get out? Um, but, but the thing is, this, this, I had this conversation with Mike Brand recently about, you know, tournaments and stuff. And I think there's this, 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 this kind of notion that TOs feel that they have to make their tournament as big as possible. But if they don't make it as big as possible, people won't show up. And I think, and personally, I think that's a fallacy. I think that there is I, I lots, so. there's, a, there's a lot to be said for smaller events that are, we'll say, have high quality tables, high quality boards, and this kind of thing. These mega events where it just become, it yes. can very quickly become very unwieldy to run yeah. effectively so in, in fact i was having this conversation earlier where i uh, when i went to the uh london tv a massive one with 500 people or what have you yeah. i played two people that i knew i played uh, james grover from goonham a one wing and i played james ramsey right yeah. if i go to like i say a caledonian event which which aren't a thing anymore but it's like 100 i don't think so no i think tends to go to x-wing yeah but it's like 100 people. It's all the old school players from the UK. I know I'm going to probably play four or five people that I that I know I'm going to have great games with, right? And that's not to say the other three people aren't good games, but I'm literally going and I'm playing my mates in a competitive setting, right? And that doesn't mean that necessarily bigger events are, are bad or anything, but that's part of the appeal to me is that I get to go and hang out with my mates all weekend. Yeah. Um, which, so, you know, I'm, I'm personally more likely to go to a smaller event of 100 people, say, where I know I'm going to get five great practice games compared to a massive event where my first three rounds are probably going to be a little bit easier, shall we say, um, just because I don't really care about the, the ITC points, and it's, it's just not for me. But yeah. some people get a kick out of that. That's up to them. Uh, however you get your kicks, I guess. But it's not and, and, and that's the crux of it, isn't it? There's so many people in this community that sort of they, they're, they're chasing their ITC points so hard 
that it's like they will their their decision that you know they will say their customer decision making is basically based off how many points something you can get by going to X tournament, which is fair enough. If that's your hype, that's your hype. But I feel like it's have this big issue, and this kind of taps on what you talked about on Thursday, Tom. You talked about how 40k tournaments in the UK are super serious now, and the AOS ones are the fun ones. They're the less serious ones, they're the funny ones, which is sort of like you know there's this homogenization of tournaments that's happened. I really, really kind of like upset, upsets me quite a bit. Back in the day, 40k tournaments used to be really diverse in the UK. You used to have super serious ones, less serious ones, loads from point sizes, rule sets. Like it was, you, you, could, basically, you, you could, yeah, you could basically pick and choose whatever you wanted. Um, and it was great. But now, with like ITC and this kind of like, you know, explosion of what came out, fed ITC and everyone wanting their, you know, their, their little ITC internet points. I, I mean, I'm, I'm jaded. I'm never going to do well, so I'll slag it off, yes. But because of that, it feels like, again, this um, like TOs feel that if they don't offer, you know, a cookie cutter LGT or a cookie cutter LVO tournament, then people aren't going to show up. And yeah, maybe those people won't show up, but I think they're excluding so many other potential tournament goers by doing events like this. I think I think I think that's what I think that's one of the the things you want to talk about, right? Is like diversity yeah. of events and style. Like, so yeah. one of the things that we've hosted for here at the TSN Arena for forty k uh, is there's a singles event, pretty classic, pretty normal. It's only sixteen people, that's fine. But the other one um, is four teams of four can play, yeah. and they'll all play each other over the course of the day. And I think that's a great way of you and your clubmates, you know, kind of what uh, Tom was talking about, where you're with your friends, which is great. But also you're going to play a bunch of new people and make some new friends, which I think is a big positive as well. Yeah, also yeah. being able to go through uh, the the practice of the the pairing session, because ultimately there's very little opportunity to practice that in the wild. Like it's quite mm. a rare opportunity case. There's very few team tournaments and there's definitely very few, uh, very few team tournaments of any particular scale. Like yeah. or even if they are of a particular scale, their irregularity means that you really can't get the reps in. So um, I think little things like that are, are, are really, really useful. And I think, um, yeah, like yeah. super, super good. Go on, Tom. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was talking about the team event in the Team Wales chat today, and one of my teammates came in and talked and called it a bit weird because it's a one-day team event. And we don't really have those in the UK. And that's weird, isn't it? It's not, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's really good because we're offering something that, that isn't a thing at the minute, right? It's, it's a one weird day that it's not a thing. I know, yeah. yeah. But one day tournaments in general, like honest, like one of my, I used to obviously run a lot of tournaments in the UK back before I left Sweden. And my, probably my most successful tournament was a one day. It was Vapn Attack up in York. There's, 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 there's a war game in trade show called Vapn Attack in York in the race courses, which is an amazing facility. Yeah, and I basically, and I basically, I was part of the gaming club that ran it. And I said, well, I can run a tournament here, like a one day. So it was like a thousand point one day tournament. And we had like, you know, I think by the end of it, we had like you know, 100 people showing up for a day. We had people driving down from Scotland and everything just to play. It was like a one day was so good for them. They could come on the Friday, play a game of 40k on the Saturday, chill on the Sunday and drive back in the evening. Yeah. And it was just like the amount of draw for one day. It's the same here in Sweden. Like, you know, when I put up a, when I put up a one day RTT here in Gothenburg, it sells out straight away. It's like, bam, gone, filled. Way quicker than a, than a, than a two day, even if it's the same size. Because people, it's much easier for people to do a one day. Yeah, and again, and it's, it's also more relevant, right? Like, yeah. um, but like, so one of the things you really wanted to talk about was the variety of events, uh, Neil. Like, and what is it? What like, what is it that you want to like uh, uh, specifically touch on? Like, with variety, like, what do you think is lacking or missing at the moment? Obviously, in most places, events at all, <laughs> because yeah. so, lots of the world, like, it's really easy to forget that, like, 
the chuckle fuck state of America that is Texas. Love you all, by the way. You know I do. Um, but like, uh, have opened up completely. Like, uh, someone in the chat earlier was like, "Why are they holding huge events right now?" And it's like, it's a super fair point. Even with the volume of vaccinations that they've got going on, even with everything else. However, they are whatever. Like, so it's dominating the conversation, right? Yeah. Um, uh, because it's one of the only ones out there. But most people aren't even having events at the moment. But when events do come back, how are you? What do you feel? What do you want? Like, what do you want to I, see? I- you see, like I say, it comes like this thing that I think that over eighth edition, everyone's kind of just like completely flipped to two day events, LGT, LVO clones, nothing else. And again, it just, it's, it's, it, it, it A, makes it very stale, personally, uh-huh. that you're playing the same thing, cookie cutters thing in out, in out. I got very bored by the end of eighth for tournaments I was going to. I was only going to the tournaments to hang out with people, really. I could have gone there and not played games and I probably had just as much fun. And I know a lot of the people I was talking to, like here in Sweden, in the UK, the record, was also the same thing. It was becoming very, very stale. Same rule sets, same missions, same terrain, even the same layouts, every single board you went to. And so there's that factor. And again, it's just this inclusivity. It's that you're, if you play, if, you play, if everyone plays the game in exactly the same way, it's not going to suit everybody. It's not going to. There are some people who say more into hobby, more into certain things. And if all the tournaments are the same, you're excluding such a lot of potential audience there from it. Or you're saying, you know, you're basically saying our way or the highway, which for me personally, I think is sort of very, very naive to say you have to play the game this one way or there's no other way to do it. Because, you know, Rob, you're not a hyper competitive player. You're very much into the hobby. You're very much into making your armies look good and that. You're actually going to a tournament how you build an army is going to be very different to my attitude, very different to Tom's attitude, because we all want different things out of it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel this, like, it all came up because basically Mike Brown was sort of like, we were chatting about stuff, and he was had a criti- and he, was, he said he was unhappy that WTC is using 20 nil in their scoring. That we're not doing the same. We're not. We're not going to just keep. It. We're not just going to. No. But when, his point was: Why are you making rules for it? Why are you changing things? And I was like, Well, because this suits us and this suits our event, and it's, you know, variety is good. There's no issue with it. You know, I would. I would be very upset if, for example, Adepticon stopped making their own rules. And stuff mm, like you this. would be so upset. Just, you, you would be upset. Oh, yeah, because I like the fact that Adepticon has its own rules. It has its own missions. And it's just out of the box. And a lot of tournaments do that. I feel that you very much. You know, we're such a diverse group of people that play this hobby, and not ever. And we need to make sure that our events reflect that. Otherwise, we're going to stagnate. And if we stagnate, we're going to die on a vine. Okay. And, I, right. and that's that's my that's my worry. We get we're in a really good space right now. We've got a lot of people engaged in tournaments, a lot of people engaged in our events, but we need to make sure we cater for them all to keep them all interested. Yeah, I'd. Uh, uh, I mean, I think I I, I agree with you hundred percent. I actually think that the point we talked about a lot. We, we talked about this a lot uh, on the Thursday show. Well, not a lot, but a bit. I think ultimately what's happening is, is uh, you know, we talked about, we talked about having um, uh, midweek tournaments because of all the people who work in industry who just yeah. don't get any time off at the weekends. I know one of the things that you've talked about a lot, obviously, is when the WTC is specifically because many people are teachers and the summer holidays is the best time to get the largest group of people available. Yeah, right, exactly. not just teachers or if you work in industry. A lot of people, a lot of industries, you know, they say you ha- you will have July, August, mid-July to mid-August off. Like a lot of factories close down for a period of time mm. as well. But yeah. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of things. I think, I think Miguel tournaments, by the way. Do you not feel, not Tom, like as someone who's like very, like very much been like a, a push against like the ITC scoring system generally and not too fast. Yeah. How um, do you, like, how do you uh, feel like, how do you pick and choose events? Like, do you just want competitive? Do you just want competitive 
um, uh, practice games for WTC setting? Is that really how what you consider a one-day event to be? So a, a couple of things on that. I wouldn't say I'm personally like pushing against the ITC as a whole, right? I don't think that other people should not enjoy it just because I don't find value in it, right? I think the scoring system is... Uh, an exercise in trying to validate your own opinion of yourself rather than just being confident in yourself, right? And some people need that, and that's absolutely fine. Um, with me, if you're going to events, I never actually ever even think about ITC scoring when I go because I just don't value the the ranking system at all, personally, right? I know my value. I don't need a table that tells me how many plebs I beat up in a row to to tell me I'm good, right? Because I just don't think the system holds up particularly, right? And when it includes the Nilo system, then maybe we can talk. But for now, I don't think it's my thing. So what I'll do is when I'm thinking about events, normally I'll go to one, maybe two events a month because I don't want to overstretch myself and go to an event every single weekend. As someone who works Monday to Friday, it's not really, really my thing, right? Yep. So I'll... First of all, I'll do that. Second of all, if like a mate's running an event, I'd be tempted to go down because I, I I know like you know I can help them you know sort that out. If I know lots of other mates of mine are going to an event, that's perfect as well. But equally, I don't want it to be overfull of mates. I just want enough mates that I can go and I'd have loads of people to chat to. But equally, meeting new people too is great, right? And also, because I live in Sheffield, I'm an hour away from Element Games. I'm an hour away from Warhammer World. I'm half an hour away from Sanctuary Gaming Center. I can pick and choose what I want, so I can keep all those free things on there. It's mainly about locality because I don't like spending money on hotels. Um, I'm, a, I'm a TA, so I, I don't like you know earn a mass amount of money. So when I'm already buying armies and buying tickets and paying for petrol, I don't really want to spend money on hotels if we can avoid it. Right? Uh, London was always the exception, just because historically I've done quite well at London through price support. Okay, so. I think I spent a lot of money last London, but I also bunked with a couple of guys as well. Um, and I was in the Invitational, that was a fun experience. So I want to do new things, and if and I'll probably go to like one, maybe two big expensive events a year, like going to the States or going to the WTC or going to London, because honestly, going to London and going to Nova is is comparable in terms of costs, to be honest. <laughs> so it's, it's mainly about making sure I've got mates there, making sure that I'm going to have some, knowing that I'm going to have some good games, meet some new people, but also being accessible for me. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And I think that covers the subject uh, fairly well. Um, I think, like, for a lot of people, just getting to any events at all is currently, like, not really in their scope. Like, for England, it's sometime in the next two or three months is when we can start to see events really kick out. Other, other like, places are, are good friends in Europe. Um, they're going to be struggling for a while. Uh, North America, obviously, uh, like, uh, America, sorry, the U.S., uh, just, like, there's just locks off the cocks. Let's go. Yeah, um, just, they just got mental. Yeah, they're just they're just shooting into the sky. Uh, whereas Canada, nothing, you know, like um, the East, uh, Australia, they're all good. So like it really, it really uh, varies. I think uh, one of the things I would say, Neil, um, uh, about the non-variety and the homogeneity of the 40k community, mm. I think is genuinely a positive thing in a bunch of different ways. And I'll say why, because if locally all of the events are the same, then that's problematic. However, if internationally all the events are the same, that's quite nice because it it means that the the it brings the community together. So the guys playing um, Australian 40k, if they're playing the same setup as the guys playing in England or Sweden or or Russia or wherever, playing the same as the American guys, it means that there's like a global kind of platform that everyone can discuss. And I think that that is a huge positive. Um, and I think, but if there were no options locally, that would probably be where it started to become problematic, and you'd be like, oh, that's a bit of a shame. 
You know what, I mean? what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by locally compared to international? Then, because if you're if, I, if you're local to Sweden, then people come to my events in Sweden, aren't they? There, aren't I there for international? Yes, you're right. So what I mean is, is when you think about like big ticket events. So let's pick LVO, Adepticon, WTC, oh, right, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like when, like, oh, let's say whatever Australia's largest event is, Sweden's largest event, and America's largest event are. If they're all the same format then that's fine. I don't think that that's problematic. I think what's problematic is if I was in Sweden and the only events were that formula, yeah. is what I'm trying but, to say. Yeah, so I like, get you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, locally, like, if as lo- like the big one is the, the standard, that's cool, and a bunch of other events are something different. That's great. That's great. And I think uh, I think that's that's a positive. And I think we'll see that. Like, um, I think, I don't know who was saying in the chat a minute ago, like, every event is just selling out, like, immediately. Every yeah. event is just... Um, just sells out immediately right now mm-hmm. so like there's no dramas i think like people can experiment and play around and i think that that's really exciting i think that's exciting no, for I, I think it is i think i would like people to not be afraid to experiment and play around that's kind of my point okay. i feel i'm i'm worried that you know you know i like for example this is just, you know i've I'm in the like an ITCTO chat, which is a really big chat there, and you've seen lots of pushback from people who are saying, "Hey, I want to try something different. What do you guys think about this?" And like the still the overwhelming pushback is, "No, I, like don't be stupid. Just do the same as everybody else, you know." And like example, we're talking. I'm basically myself and my friend Yuki. Obviously, got a gaming venue in Gothenburg and start running tournaments. And we've been planning out, you know, what tournaments we want to run. So we run an event every single month, and it's like, well, let's run a, you know, straight up GT. Like just add the rule book basically GT, and then the next month let's run an event that's got you know really kind of like alternative missions, out of missions, and like a huge like half the points from hobby score, because that would be cool because I'd bring different people in, and even that idea has had pushback because there are people like no no you got to just do it's got to be the same it's got to be the same it's got to be the same because I want my ITC points, and it's like you you got to be you, I think as TOs you not you just not to be afraid to say actually I will offer something else because yes there is a vocal minority. They're screaming for what they're screaming for everything to be the same because they want to score their ITC points. But there's a lot more people out there than just those people in the hobby. I think yep. was it Val, Val talks about on Canhammer that so he read somewhere that some like sales guru extrapolated as about one and a half million concurrent uh, customers for GW around the world based off mm-hmm. sales and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? How many people are on the ITC rankings? About twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. How many of them have scored? Have got five games their name? Say twenty nineteen. Like very few. Yeah, I think number so, one has five, so, and then number four, two has four. So I don't think it's very many at all. Yeah, exactly. So realistically, it's like, well, you know, how much, how much a percentage of customers, how much a percentage of this hobby are ITC chasers? Maybe so one We're a niche within a niche within a niche. Exactly. So I, don't, I think my my, issue, my thing is, Rob. I, would just, I don't want to. I think the tiers should stop being afraid that the vocal, that the very, very, very minority are vocal saying, "Do I'll do it this one way or not." Open yourself up, do things. You bring way more people in, and way more people doing the hobby has got to be good. Yeah. I, I, my main focus is more people in the ho- like more people yeah. playing games at tournaments is my and having fun are my like two key components. Being at a tournament and enjoying the experience and having fun at said event, I think, is one of those really important things. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's move on to like the hot topic of the day. Uh. Still from last week. Uh. Talking about. Uh, the Drukari because um, they've uh, they've taken a kick in today. Uh, yeah, have they? I've only have one list specifically. <laughs> yeah, from well, one list one, specifically. one list, but one, I would say one list archetype. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you were to, you like uh, a lot of conversation about how well Drukari, even though it's an eight round event, and even though they haven't taken out the event, 
So I think that that'll uh, damp the fire. I think a lot of people really wanted uh, Drukari to take the event out so it could kind of like add fire to the the storm. This yeah. might have. Yeah. Uh, this Can might not. Go on. Can we just dispel a myth immediately that this Drukari is a high skill cap faction when people can pick it up within a week of it dropping and smash events with it? Sure. Well, it's as I I mean, Brad Brad Chester said he won the tournament. Was it last weekend, the weekend before? And he said yeah. it was like he last said weekend. he said excluding playing the Admec team, excluding playing the Admec player he played in the final, it was four to K on easy mode. And yeah. then when he went and then when he went first because the Admec and therefore got to shoot the planes and bring the takes the planes. I've down, got to bring my planes it, back. It, beca on. it became uh, Admec on it became easy mode against the Admec. He said it was easy hmm. mode forty K. Hey, I was playing the Scottish Vice Captain yesterday with my Drakari. I took my planes off turn three, forgot to bring them back on for the rest of the game, and still won twenty nil. This is the uh, it's, it's this, this is our this is our forty k expert here, Rob. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. But uh, uh, so uh, Valerie says there's still a chance of Drakari will take the event. Thank you very much, yeah, Valerie. Right. Appreciate you. Uh, now going into uh, going into day three, which is today because it's a three day event. Uh, the Drukari were on a 79% win rate if you take out mirror matches, uh, which is which is frankly not high enough, in my opinion. I'm, I'm glad they have queued it, though. How, up, yeah. how high I was Slanesh at his height, Rob? Uh, they were really high in the US, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, 78%. 78%. Where was uh, Daughters of Cain? It was almost at 80% as well, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daughters of Cain I mean, were 80%. Okay. I get, so we're second I, to Daughters of Cain. It is an issue because at the end of the day, yeah, people are saying when Abbek comes out, when these other armies are coming out, you say, we know sisters do well into Dark Elder, we know that Abbek do well into Dark Elder. And we know that Grey Knights will eventually come out and do well. You can explain to everybody why you think that, Tom. You know. But the problem is because yeah, it, it's like, well, but we're still kind of got a way overpowered codex that's come out and it's like even if this was like a normal codex release period like you know they had to release codex as quick as they want to it just feels like Dark Elder just have so much over way over so many armies yeah you know Space Marines is what Space Marines make up what 30% of the, of the meta just you know, power armor probably 50% yeah. of the meta is power armor why give an army just like an, an auto win versus half the um, versus half the other game yeah I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand why Drakari are, are, are so strong right now. And I think I've, I think I've got a reason why for this. And it's about how the game itself is played. And this is why Sean was already doing well with Drakari before the codex even dropped. Specifically, a Drakari mix with some Eldari, right? Uh, some craft worlds. And the reason is, this, the entire game is about constantly trading. If you're paying for, for durability and you stick that in the middle of the board, it doesn't really matter too much because eventually you're going to fall over anyway and you're not going to get those points. Or you can just lob things that will obsex on, onto those objectives and take you off regardless, right? What the game is about is about constantly lobbing things out to kill your opponent's things on objectives and then being able to do that for as long as possible. Yeah. When you've got an army that builds all of its points costs, so for example, let's say you have one unit and another unit and these units are identical apart from one's t4 and one's t5 the unit that's got t5 is probably going to be more expensive just because you're paying for the premium of having an extra point of toughness right if you are taking drakari and you're not paying for the premium of being more durable all of your points essentially go into mobility and the ability to kill things and when the entire game is about running across the board and killing things and not worrying about you die so long as you've got more stuff left which you're going to have because you have just spent more points on that because you're not having to over invest into useless mechanics like durability at the minute mm -hmm. you're going to have a, a fact but does very very well in mission mission set 
we talked about this a lot at the start of the edition, where I was, one of my main complaints with Ninth is I felt that like, the missions were very one-dimensional. And guess what? When you get one army that's specifically designed to do that one dimension fantastically well, and you release its codex with a massive power buff that gives it a lot more damage compared to what it used to have, it is going to cause some serious problems, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like to take this sort of the League of Legends analogy that we do a lot, you know. There are there are obviously champions recently legends, and there are obviously certain champions counter other champions. Mm. But it doesn't mean it's an auto loss. It's that, yeah. that matchup is not an auto loss. It's hard. Mm. It's challenging. You're on the back yeah. foot, but there are still plenty of counterplays. There's still plenty of counterplay in effort avenues to win that matchup. The problem is that right now you've got Drakari who are yeah. sitting there, and we, you know, all the space books have come out. All the space books have come out for the for the loyalists, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, Dark Death Guard have come out. Chaos Marines have come out. I don't expect Chaos Marines to really answer. This. They'll be very. They, they'll be similar to what they are now, and you've got a fact action it's not that there is no counterplay there is teams that so there's zero counterplay it, it, it's kind of like here's my example it's, you can have a champion that counters another champion in lane right yeah this isn't like they've released a champion that counters all champions in the lane this is like they've released a champion that presses at his hits level six presses r and it deletes the nexus yeah is this, there's, there's, there's <laughs> no there's no against it <laughs> there's no counterplay and, I, and yeah okay great admech will come out and they'll answer it or sisters will come out and they'll be really good against it but what about all the poor fools who play space marines what about all the poor fools who invest in Death Guard? And it's cool. Can, you know, I, can, I, can, I, can I make a suggestion? Yeah. yeah. Have they thought about getting good? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, I'm sick of just everyone not trying harder is the yeah, main yeah. focus. Like, when you're up against a 70% win rate army, what you really do is just need to be better and try harder. Like, and I'm sick of people not, like, uh, like approaching it in that <laughs> way, uh, if I'm honest. Yep. Uh, I think one of the interesting things is that this is actually a huge pro for team tournaments. Because you only have yeah. one singular instance of this, um, like for singles, not uh, as positive. But I think ultimately, like it makes it makes pairing processes even weirdly more interesting because there's obviously that big bully in the pack um, that's in there. Uh, so I just think I think that's an interesting kind of conversation. Actually, the more imbalanced the game gets, uh, or the more like it skews to different factions or different builds, actually makes I don't know. If, this is 100% accurate, but I think it's pretty spot on. Makes team format even more interesting and more enticing because you're able yep. to you're able yeah. to deal with that, which I think is a huge positive, right, for the WTC and any team events going forward. 100% agree. 100% agree. Team events because of the nature of pairings, it makes it way more interesting. But it's just, I just, you know, we're not only playing team events as the problem. I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I just question the the, the validity of the design process when you just create an army yeah. that invalidates such a huge chunk of you know the player base basically yeah and i do like think that's... it's a mission problem i do yeah. think it's a mission problem i don't think it's entirely irredeemable i don't think we need to yeah. come back in a year's time and say we need a new Drakari book because this is stupid yeah. i think creating better missions that aren't so one-dimensional which i've been harping on about this for almost a year now by the way this isn't like i saw the Drakari book and i decided that the reason we need to change the missions is because of this book i've been saying this since july you can go back and check it if you create missions that give you more than one win condition, you will end up getting more varied gameplay. Not, I win 60, 60 games and Sisters win 19, which, by yeah. the way, is favoring Sisters. Sisters should never be winning 19 games against Drakari out of the ITC battles information. So, I mean, yeah. the only rede- I mean, that's it. I think the only redeeming feature is that obviously not that many people play um, Drakari compared to Iron Hands. It's not going to be as quickly prevalent a problem. But it, do- it, it, it is... 
it just feels like an issue to me, really. And I, I, I don't think saying you no, know, saying Admech will, the new Admech book will solve it, great. But by solving Drakari, aren't they therefore going to be even more powerful than? Yeah, it's like releasing than all, than the. If they're going to be the ultimate counter to Drakari, does that therefore make them the ultimate counter to everything that Drakari counters now? Mm. And therefore, we start we start this ridiculous um, power creep. Yeah, yeah. Because I I still think I need to test it, but I still think Grey Knights can See, beat. Explain uh, this to me. I, explain this to me. Because I, I I was out walking okay, the other here we go. podcast. Here we I go. didn't hear so, all. So I'm really intrigued. I've got by a this. list that I want to try out. So what they're able to do is you need you need two things. Firstly, you need to be able to shut down the mobility of the Drakari and allow yourself to move freely around the board which Grey Knights can do very, very well with a combination of Astrolane, which is the most powerful ignores line of sight mechanic in the game when you combine it with cyber ammunition and the tidal convergence, okay? You secondly need to be able to take the hit if you are going to walk into that area. So you walk in, you, you walk up, you shoot off the transports, which we've already tested back against Harquins. I killed three transports in a turn, no problem. And then you push out and you're not too scared of the racks. Drakari can, uh, not Drakari, Grey Knights can do both of those things. They're able to kill all the transports in two turns consistently through shooting in the psychic phase, gating, cyber ammunition, boom, easy done. You could potentially do it in one turn if you get the full combo off, especially with the uh, recitation of projection. Secondly, if you push out one unit of Terminators or Paladins and another one behind, you are able to screen really, really well, even if you're able to do it in two ranks, because you have access to so many uh, durability powers. For example, you can counteract the, minus one, uh, to, the plus one to wound with minus one to wound from yourself, um, from Armored Resilience. You also have a second uh, mechanic, which is a similar thing in the form of transhuman uh, physiology, but neither of those two things are most important. You also have access to a minus one damage stratagem and invulnerable saves across the board when you push. So you effectively have the ability to clear out the Dakari in waves as you push forward, but also not have to just sit off and take the hit and then push. Because if you do that, you're going to give up too many points early game. What you want to be doing is playing aggressively with the Grey Knights, pushing on the Dakari and tanking it as you go, which Grey Knights can do both of. Cool. Yeah, I have not. I did, I did not think about that actually. I mean, Grey Knights were one of the. I completely blanked them out. I, my problem is, I generally, I generally think Grey Knights are space fusion psychic powers and therefore moved on. Well, I mean, but it's very, what you're saying is very legitimate. Yeah, Craft World's historically been my best faction, but I think at least since for about a year, Grey Knights have been my best one now. So whenever house. I see something, I just think Grey Knights because I, I think, love. I think, I think one of those things uh, for for most players is that like uh, unlocking a problem of a new faction, whether or not it be super strong or not even super strong, is is you already have access like Tom does, is knowing what the tools you have available in your army already are. Like Tom knows what his tools are, so like when he sees the problem, he goes, "Oh, I can unpick that. I've got the lock for that yeah. already designed," which I think is interesting. Ultimately, one of the things I think Neil you wanted to talk about was community comp. That was one of those suggestions. Oh, no. Well, it was, it was, it was, there's a lot of people screaming for community comp. There's a lot of people screaming, you know, get the comp out for Dark Elder. Um, I don't think comp is the answer, though. I think, I you know, that my, my sort of pushback is there's a lot of people screaming for comp. But the problem is, you know, outright banning the codex is not the answer. Um, yeah. And the problem with comp is if you comp something, if you create comp, you know, I used to have comp at Bot, about the Chumps, for example. And there's, there's been lots of comps around Sweden, very famous, very comprehensive comp. Can I interrupt quickly, Neil? Is that yeah. all right? I need to ask a question. Can you define what comp is? Because technically, changing a mission set is a form of comp. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we're talking about specifically comp, here. comp is, well, even change the mission set, comp is when you change the rules of the game, be it the mission set, be it which armies are allowed, be it, you know, you're saying that, um, you know, you're saying that Dark Elder is so good that they get to, they only get to play 1,500 points instead of 2,000 than 2,000 point tournaments. It could be you know limiting certain units or anything. It's basically, you know, you're changing, you're putting you know, out, like you're putting restrictions or changes onto the games or onto armies that aren't in the rulebook. Mm. 
And I think the problem is when you all, when you do that, all you do is you shift the goalposts. Yes. And it just it, it yeah it might it, it may solve a problem, but it creates problems elsewhere. Mm. You know, I think the fundamental issue is you know I think um, sorry again said you know GW doesn't care about balance. I think that's the fundamental problem, and it's I'm, and again I'm looking at this not just from a you know tournament perspective. I listened to a podcast you see, it was a bunch of like, a bunch of kids who basically did a podcast. It was like recommended by uh, Val, and it was actually really interesting. And the kids were all going, you know, it sucks to play. I play I play Nids. My friend has space means I can't win against them. It sucks. You know, I get shot off the board all the time. And this is the problem, you know, if you create an army that's so good against so much of the faction, it's just going to turn people off. Iron hands turn people off to the game. That's a fact. And I feel that like Jukari could well do that. I don't think well, that they'll be. In, I don't think. Cards, I don't think like, that. I don't think that they'll be in the numbers that we saw. For... No, I think that's the saving grace. Is that not? There's not enough Jakari players to do it. That's the saving grace so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. I think that's one of the things that we need to be really conscious of. Is that, of course, um, like there isn't as many of them, so it's going to be fine. Personally, I don't want comp. Like, and I'm going to like put my flag down now uh, and forever. I want it to get worse, not better. I want it to be wild, 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 wild. <laughs> I think it leans into, like, it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, yeah, maybe it turns people off to the game. Weak people, Neil. Cowards is who it turns off to the game. Yeah. Clearly like, I'm weak then. Like, I want people, I want people, like, I want people throwing their hearts into their army and throwing them the 80% win rate armies and just screaming into the void. We've, I want we've it already had this argument, so I'm just leaving it. You carry on, Neil. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that's fine. Yeah, let, let's just go. Let's just go wild. Let's go nuts. Because ultimately, like, um, one of the interesting things, like, if, like, because we don't really look up top up very much, but we need to kind of have a discussion. Because one of the things that I think is done really well by the WTC and by you guys is that you've tried very hard, uh, like with the mission packs, or as, as an example, yeah, to design um, uh, a terrain and maps that work really well for the game. Really important, yeah, with the Q and A that you guys have. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, the yeah the FAQ. Sorry, that's the one. Uh, the FAQ that you guys have. You have answers to frequently asked questions. Some people might not agree with them. They're not official answers, but lots of lots yeah, of but lots of people disagree with them. But it doesn't <laughs> matter because you what you're doing is you're you're giving your players. There's a community of people who you represent. You, uh, Tom and Ishik, you represent a group of people, and you say we want those people to have a fun game. So, yeah. if there's a question that comes up, some arbitrary third power has decided this is the situation. Perfect. I think that is really positive for the community that you represent. If some other community gets pissy about it, like, who gives a fuck about them? They're not your community. So, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think that's crucial, and I think that that's really, really well done. I think uh, the kind of conversation that we're not having is that there's a book released at this power level, and there is the imminent kind of, like... Uh, Games Workshop sponsored Pro Tour in America, run by Mike Brandt and everyone else. And arguably, like you can't really justifiably have a competitive game. You can't. Not at that you, level. Uh, not at that level. If you have um, uh, armies of such a power level. That said, though, the admit maybe is uh, the kind of like flying in the face of that situation right now. It's um, I like I think like the thing about it is, is it's cool if Games Workshop aren't trying to do something. If they're not trying to create a competitive environment or game, but they are, they're very involved in the competitive environment and game. They have most of the people in charge or responsible for the largest tournaments in the world involved in helping make it as balanced and fair as possible. So it really behoves them to try and deal with it. That's why I'm on the other end of it, Neil. I want it to be wild. I want it to be gnarly. Yeah. 
I won't I, like it because it makes me chuckle every time. They're like, "Here's Meta Watch," and it's like, "Is it take liquefiers?" Because fuck off. Like it's it's <laughs> I mean, every it was that. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, so it does. So it so the uh, and I would like the game to be more professional so it could be more sports like um but maintain the elements that are important to it like narrative story it looking good those are all really important elements mm. to me uh but ultimately the conversation that's not being had is it doesn't matter about individual players it doesn't even matter about individual tournaments i think really it it uh it affects badly the kind of like uh watchability because if you're like um let's say you, you know i mean you guys were talking about league of legends and riot ignoring some of the problematic things that are happening inside and outside of riot yeah. One of the interesting thing, one of the interesting things, and big shout out to Trindamir who follows me. Stop sharing weird fucking alt right stuff, you fucking nutter. Um, uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> the is that Mark Merrill? Yeah, fuck me. It's, it's uh, just centrist stuff, like super not, super not, super not. Rob is so far to the left; he's come all the way around. I've again. never. I, I must admit, I don't check it like. Constantly. <laughs> However, I've never seen anything that's not centrist. He's like he's like a Mumford and Son. Is all I'm going to say. The uh, the, What's the wrong point... Mumford and Sons. They're great. <laughs> oh, don't get don't get me started on Mumford and oh, Sons. You no, need to here we go. <laughs> anyway, my point is, <laughs> there's some podcast guy going like, "What the fuck did Mumford and Sons do?" Like, um, <laughs> I'm thinking that as well. Literally, I what Mumford and Sons are wrong. I think they're. I listened to them. I went to see them live. They're great. Okay. Well, listen. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Jess Meatballs. Love your tons. Right. So, um, I'm not really sure what my, where my point was going. Oh, my point was my point was <laughs> riot. <laughs> riot. Is riot. that if you're if you are other game companies looking at Games Workshop, it's a bit embarrassing, really. Like that's the kind of thing to talk about it as a competitive game or as an esport. Um, uh, and yes, me balls is correct. That is that is one hundred percent on the nail. All right, so uh, I think we've covered that pretty well, right? You guys happy with that? Yeah, I can rant forever, but I just rant, rant. I just randomly yeah, rant. Yeah. As, yeah. It, as that Alliance uh, guy found out on Friday, he invited me to his show. I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. I'm gonna have to watch it now. It's him. very funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, me balls. I'm one hundred percent aware of uh, of that. I know. Uh, right. So the uh, the follow up. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll, show you, I'll send you some links after this. Send me some uh, links. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're covered in red and sickles, though, so you might not right. want to click them. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. So uh, the other thing is uh, you have done some electronic judging, right? Electronic judging? Well, judging via the internet? Or is that not a thing? Yeah. Or have we just discussed oh, about it? Okay, this, is, so this, judge- is, this, is, this is a big discussion. Val has this as a big brainchild. Um, yeah. That the that with uh, Minotaur rightful ruler, there mm-hmm. could be the possibility for this. It would need certain other things that like, you know the referee would have to be able to assist the players all the time and directly converse with them in real time and stuff like that. But there is sort of this idea of that, and it it hedges into this idea that you know there needs to be some kind of like you know referee organization that helps train TOs and referees around the world, and or even bigger brain that should there be a sort of global tournament authority like a FIFA. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, lots to unpack there. Um, can we start with like a FIFA? Because <laughs> well, like, at the end of the day, the, at the end of the day, the WT, <laughs> as you all know, I'm part of the WTC. We're a bunch of corrupt gits. You know, I, I accept openly accept bribes in the form of beer. Therefore, FIFA matches my you know attitude perfectly. 
I mean, it could be FIFA. There's just some kind of overarching, you know, tournament authorities. A lot of people that sort of talk about the fact that, you know, and it all goes down as referees, that there should be some kind of referee qualifications and referee, you know, like training, like, you know, Magic Gathering have, for example. It always back to Magic Gathering as, a, as the example. Magic has like this like, referee, tra- Magic have like a referee training system. You, you train up, you qualify up, you get a certain rank of referee. And then Magic, all Magic tournaments are sanctioned by Magic to a certain level. Like this, uh, this event is this size, has this quality there of referees, it's sanctioned by Magic as an official event and blah, blah, blah. And there seems there's a, there seems an increasing push amongst TOs and amongst gamers that they feel we need this in competitive 40k. Uh, the, what do you mean they need it in 40k? Like what? Do well, you this think is they need? well, this is the question. This is the question. What do they need? I don't think we need this. I don't think having an having like a an overarching organisation that says this is this that will go around and sanction tournaments and say this is a official X tournament is a good thing. I don't yeah. think that's a good thing to start with. I think that's a, I think that's a massively slippery slope in terms of because you're therefore giving a bunch of hobbyists power to over other hobbyists say unless it's, unless you W do it and then then if it becomes official so to speak. But even that's a very slippery slope. You're basically going to create a, a two tier system of you know either adhere to cut out what we say is right. And again, this is good to the whole watch anything, but we'll probably involve you know doing the playing the same rules that we say is the right rules to play, or you're or you're not sanctioned. If you're not sanctioned, will people go to your event? I mean, it's a very slippery slope deck. It comes back to this idea of you know, I mean, you've worked in the lobbying group, yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, are you familiar with the CSPPA and Counter Strike? No, I have no idea. So the CSPPA is, is a uh, supposed players agency, right? And the entire purpose of it is it's meant to protect the players, specifically in Tier 1 and Tier 2. Recently, the entire... So Tier 1 is like top-tier Counter-Strike, Tier 2 is like the the tier below it, right? Right. It's harder to describe than that. Uh, Recently, the entire NA Counter-Strike scene, recently, loads of organizations just dropped their teams. And the CSPPA just did nothing, despite ESL pulling uh, team slots for teams who'd already qualified for their league. Um, so the CSPPA did nothing. However, when it came to, I believe it was the blast, um, the CSPPA called a strike because they were effectively um, recording player comms to use so their analysts could listen in and talk about things on the broadcast, right? And they called strike and threatened the entire event. And I believe what was happening was, unless you were paying the CSPPA, they it was a power play to threaten to shut down the event because they weren't previously paying the CSPPA, so it was a shakedown. Yeah. And that's what I mean. If you've got an overarching body where you are certifying certain events, I don't know how I feel about that. No, I don't. I think it's a super slippery slope in terms of, you know... Because it's going to create it creates a two tiered system, and therefore this, and therefore it it, it creates implication. If you're not certified by this organization, you're doing something wrong. Wow. Now let me let me. But but that's not the case. It just could quite mm -hmm. simply mean that you, as a TO, don't want to kowtow to these rules or jump through these hoops or whatever. Or in your case, like you said, you pay for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think I think I think there's uh, the writing is on the wall in that being a case in America anyway, right? Um, with uh, with the ITC and also FLG and Games Workshop as an inclusion. Well, I don't think FLG. I know I know conversations many times with Reese. Reese is super against this. I mean, to put the cards out there. He has openly, publicly, multiple times said he's super against this. You know, it's one of the big reasons why, like you know, the ITC has up until recently 
not taking a stance, uh, a public stance against cheaters. You know, he's because he's super against the slippery slope of becoming the de facto governing body, and he's very uh, aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the thing is, uh, is uh, so. Do, are you pro a governing body, Neil, or are you? No, are you I am. Anti- I am. I am anti a governing body. Well, I'm. I'm pro setting up some kind of uh, organization that would help coach referees and help TOs get referees or coach referees and you know shield scaling I've got a lot I've got a lot of experience as a referee you know and the guys who come to the referee WTC I you know coach them I coach them extensively before during and all these things afterwards yeah to help them and they can go back to their, they go back to wherever they came from and they obviously spread the, spread the knowledge base and the yeah. idea is there are a lot there are a lot of events out there for a lot of TOs that for whatever reason you know really struggle when it comes to certain situations and it's you know I think it'd be great to enable to have some kind of system in place like a, a training system a coaching system a program system to enable people like myself like the guys from LVO the referee the FAO like all these great referees that are around these people are very good at TO in refereeing to help the others because that would make because that help the communities at large but that's not the same thing as a government body if that makes sense I think a supporting body is is would be a great would be a, a, a great suggestion especially if it was done, something done by done for free that's one of the things i yeah. love most that's one of the things i love most about patreon um uh, especially everyone who listens to the honest wargamer and supports the honest wargamer via patreon um because we are like I th- i'm going on uh jim's show on duplicity paint in a in a week or so uh, to talk about sponsorship in the hobby one of the intrinsically difficult things i think for the american scene as is at the moment is there are so many people who do it for work and when everyone does it for work, it's very hard. Like it's very hard to draw lines and it, for it to not muddy the water. I think that's always going to be problematic. I think that's one of the things I love most about um, uh, the Honest Wargamer and everything that we do on the Honest Wargamer is because we're sponsored by everyone on Patreon. So yeah. really, like we're able to live not like <laughs> we do not live like kings, <laughs> but um, we, uh, you know, we're able uh, to be fair and honest forever because people appreciate the content we have we have discussions like this that are far wide uh, far ranging and far wide sort of like open convos so one of the things that um is really really important for us is to you know to broach these subjects but i still wouldn't want to be the supporting body but someone could set up as a supporting body and then people could support them via something like uh like via patreon because then yeah. you could have like a bunch of resources and things that are available. Really, what you could have is the we produce 40k tournament resources pack. I was just speaking to my very good friend Fish today, um, and uh, one of the things we were talking about is he likes the cards that you get when you buy. So the um, the the unit cards that you get when you play when you you know Death Guard comes out and you've got like all the unit cards. Yeah. Is that what they're called? I think they're called that. Yeah, the, the something or other. Yeah, I know what you mean. But they're out of date if there's a new FAQ. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, which I think is, uh, is an issue. And you obviously can print some stuff off. Like, there is just so many good resources that could be produced to make people play um, and yeah. to help people play. 
uh, that I think that that's one of those things that as we go forward in time, like so the uh, the thing that um, uh, Neil was alluding to earlier was uh, so Minotaur Wargaming are a company. They produce a thing called the Rightful Ruler app, which is an AR, so augmented reality way of uh, tracking bases and uh, measuring. I think I've, I think I was made aware of it like a year and a half ago. I spoke to Nils on the phone, so he's the lead developer uh, for a couple of hours. Really nice guy, uh, really motivated, and uh, you know he's got some really big dreams. Um, and that's all really, really exciting. Like, uh, there's a desktop version that's been uh, pushing that they're, they're pushing for at the moment, and I think lots of that is very exciting and how that integrates into the system. Problem is, is that is hard locked financially compared to BCP, which is then hard locked financially, to then Games Workshop Game Support, which is hard locked financially, mm. versus. Like there are a lot of systems that are like existing with each other, but independent of each other and not homogenistically put together because really they're not being developed for the community. Mm, probably they are, but like they're being developed as tools. And there is, there is, a, there is, there is a business behind it where it's been developed. Absolutely, but this is it. Like, 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 and the thing I'm is, I'm not like, against that either. I'm not against uh, that either. And this this conversation about like you know referee development and therefore you know TO development has been going on for a while. Um, you know, hey, like two a couple of years ago, the American team wanted to fly me over to America to the American team event. <laughs> they were like, we, can we pay you to come here to basically tell a certain team to fuck off? <laughs> you know, in the end, it's like actually no, I can, I can talk instead of doing that. Why don't I just why don't I just talk to the TOs that run that event and give them some support and some you know advice? <clears throat> and then the TOs told those guys to. And those tiers, those guys, <laughs> to fuck off, you know. And that's and that's what you need. You know, the, I think there's a, there's again, like there's all, there's all these issues about cheating, blah blah blah. You know, always like cheaters pushing, like certain players pushing because they're famous or because of whatever. They're kind of like you know, bullying their way through, pushing their way through, and tiers are upset, are afraid to say against them, all these kind of things. And obviously, there are plenty of guys out there that do a really good job. And it's like spreading that knowledge, spreading that knowledge, because that will get rid of a big issue in the community, which is this perception of cheating and all these of negativity. And I think the right and previously this has been an issue of how would you do that? How would you do that? You know, I there's no money to fly me to the UK to coach somebody or what, or to fly Salty John from one side of America to the other. There's no money for that. But this rightful ruler thing has a massive potential for just that because you could I, you could have somebody dialing in, like you say, remotely to referee to referee an event or to be there in the background as backup for somebody. Who's on the event and, and, and therefore directly live coaching because re teaching the referee you got to do it live. And this, I think, Minotaur Gaming, not just not for the stream. I think they got there's a niche there for developing referees and tos that they, they could look at and could be massive for them. Yeah, but again, you're just asking for another cost. Like, I mean, yeah. looking at the Dallas GT and the terrain, I mean, like tos are taking on way too much financially on these huge endeavors. Like and then not everyone is specifically being played, uh, being paid to to make it happen. And I think yeah. that's one of those things about the industry as time goes on um, that needs to be kind of. Uh, Rob, I love cardboard though. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. It's on the screen now. But that, that's that. a, that's a conversation that you know because these days culture change that players need to stop expecting. You know, S and M battle report level tournaments with the most gorgeous terrain and gorgeous everything possible. They're the guys in Gibraltar and amazing tournaments, but pay bugger all for it. You know, I think the, the, I think I think people seriously undercharge tournaments. Like, what's 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 the cost of a tournament in the UK right now? Without not excluding food, just like showing up for two day, Tom. What's how much does that about cost? Fifty quid. About fifty, oh, 50 quid. quid, right? Yeah. You know, and you're basically having two full days of entertainment there. You know, 
how much you pay for a football ticket or like um you know a, a, a pizza and a, and, a, and a cinema ticket or something you... i mean chef support shop here wednesday that's 40 quid for a crap championship game so yeah. <laughs> it depends it's like without being rude you know the tos could charge more which would then cover getting better terrain all those all those issues that like you say tom dallas you too imagine they had a bit more money in their pockets to pay people to have to spend more time fixing the terrain and you'd have more money in your pockets to have volunteers not have volunteers but to have say to somebody like tom instead of playing this tournament i'm going to pay you to referee it. you know and you get people you'll get quality people to support events because benevolence only goes so Calais in 2015 yeah, yeah. or 2016 it, does, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take much you know, to make a difference. You know, like I, like I would, in theory, of uh, ref, head ref the last LGT, and the deal I had with Zach was you cover all my costs. So I, I, I don't earn anything, but I'm not out of pocket. Hey, you guys coming to us? And that's a simple thing. And that, but you know, you can only do that if you have the money. And I think a lot of TOs again, they don't charge enough. They, un, they massively undersell themselves. Yep, I would agree with that. Massively. I think that's and, really important. Yeah, and like you say, financial risk. What happens if people don't show up? What happens if something falls? You know, was it? How much is um? Nova trying to raise right now to cover their storage oh, yeah. costs. Twelve thousand pounds uh, or something. Yeah, and I asked, I asked what that was. It's storage costs. It's storage for all their stuff. Because they haven't, because they haven't, because they had two years of not having any income, they can't mm-hmm. actually pay to store their shit. Mm. Yep. And that's a massive problem for them. Yeah. Uh, did they do well with that? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. I haven't looked at the uh, the Kickstarter. I know, but that's the reason. You know, they haven't made the money there. And I think you know, TOs need to start. They say protect themselves financially by giving themselves more money to use. You're never going to make a living off it, but give yourself more money there as a buffer, and then use that buffer to invest in tie in people's in paying people to do jobs for you. Be it building yeah. the terrain, building all these things. It's true. It's true. We are we we we're, we're a mom and pop. It's pretty because I think maybe it's because of the company. It's a mom and pop uh, operation on all fronts. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, with volunteers and everything else, um, which is which is insane. But that's mainly because for a very expensive, ah, very expensive, quite expensive hobby uh, compared to some other hobbies. I think uh, I think it's actually quite interesting if you if you do think about going away for a weekend. I think the guys in the chat are talking about you could probably spend as much going away for a weekend as you would on a new army, maybe Ooh, close. I think like when you think about it in those terms, I think it's I think it's the event going. Um, uh, uh, so Popmeister Mini says uh, this is the same issue that other club sports have undercharging they're not putting on the event uh, expected by participants uh, and also sounds like Fire Festival <laughs> so, I mean, that's basically what Fire Festival was right yeah, 500 yeah. quid for that nah I mean nah and I, and I agree very much with Pop, uh, Popmeister I think that there's a there's a large um, kind of expenditure that needs to be accrued um, the, on official judging, I obviously would love that, Neil. I'd like there to be uh, official judges at tournaments. I'd like there to be guidelines. I'd, I'd like it to make sense. Uh, me and Tom were just talking earlier, uh, earlier today or earlier on the show, um, mm. just like just how kind of like fun uh, two-day uh, events or even um, three-day events, it kind of like it winnows out a little bit. But five-day events, sorry, five-game events, two-day events are even pretty funny. You could get like two or three. Like in a, the larger the field, the easier the, the games one to three are going to be, like generally. Um, Which is like, why I'm keeping all my tournaments to two days, 32 players, to make it as hard as possible. Nails. <laughs> it's absolutely nails. 
Uh, it's also because so... the size of the venue is about forty players. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think I just think it's really positive for people if they get an opportunity to have a judge available to them, uh, because obviously yeah. some of that's like really relevant. I would say that most events, most events would do really well with not having a judge, but having someone who is hired to just be the guy who like answers questions. Because I think yeah. a large portion of people are really pottering through their game as opposed to justifiably playing at a top level where they need a judge yeah i agree with that and the thing is you know if you're a to you've got a lot of other stuff to do than running around answering people's questions all weekend and as a player you know you're trying to play your game you're as a player judges in the work you get dragged away from your game all the time to answer questions so having someone as a referee as a judge or someone you know players can go to and say hey answer this question for me makes a big difference and then, but you've obviously got to be obviously a good. You obviously need someone who's got good rules and all these things to do that. So you have to incentivize them from not playing in the first place, which means you have to give them something. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It's true. I agree. Uh, this is why every event should hire me, Mister Winters, to panel their events. Says real Mister Winters. I think that's fair. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Pop by says if you take drifting as an example professional quality events can only come from investment which can only come from fees and sponsorship fees mm. I think are the easy way you slap you slap 10 tickets 10 pounds onto your average ticket price I think in the UK and I think that gives enough money uh, so obviously I don't you'd have to like upskill that wherever you were in the world but that would put enough money on top for an event to be able to like you know, like I mean, the larger the event, the more money that is in the pot to provide a service. Like if you were talking about ten pound as a service charge, so typically events like for two days are here are like fifty quid, maybe fifty five. So you're looking at like what um, a twenty percent increase on your ticket price. So just take where your ticket price is. I'd pay the extra like ten quid if I knew that there were going to be judges, if there were going to be people who were being like paid to make sure the event was run professionally. I knew the train was going to be sweet. Like I think I think we're undervaluing events, but then that's because for a long time events have been medium. Let's say, like they've been there. <laughs> like some of the events I've been to have been like, oh boy, this is a uh, it's a wild ride. Um, you know, <laughs> and I don't know how much the tickets are for the Dallas event, but the terrain's fascinating, right? Let's put it that yeah, way. It, yeah. it is, and that's another thing. You know, it comes back to this: you, know, you don't big doesn't mean better. I think absolutely opposite. I think, you know, making your event a bit smaller so you can absolutely knock it out of the park with the quality of terrain, the quality of boards, just the quality of the player experience on every level is super important. You know, I mean, I, I got asked on the, uh, I got asked, you know, what's the most important, what's the, what's the most important free tip you give to a TO? would be like, toilets, <laughs> someone to clean the toilets. You know, and it's like it's a, and it's, you know, and how many toilets are there? And it's a joke, but so many events are fall fall down on that. And then after that, it's like you know, quality terrain. Make your terrain look freaking good, because your folks, people take because like that photo that Innes put up, right? Mm-hmm. That is going to. What's the impression that Dallas? But people looking at that image, you can think of the Dallas GT, right? No one's going to remember. Anything. I was just going to remember that daft board. But but, but it'd be crazy negative impression. And as a TO, that's so, you know that TO has put in how many thousands of hours of time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears at that event. And that photo ruins it. You know? Yes. Whereas if they'd have maybe made a smaller event and aimed smaller to go for as big as possible, they could have nailed it with all the terrain and stuff. And then the photo is, wow, look at that. You know? That, hey, that's I my mean, point. There's a bit of flock on there, at least. I, I see some yeah. green. 
Uh, so let's hype it up, I think. <laughs> uh, thank you to La Vodza Sigma for raiding us with 31 people. Uh, are, they, are you Spanish? Uh, hello, everyone. Thanks for, uh, I would assume so. Uh, yep. This is Tom and Neil. I'm Rob. We're discussing uh, we're discussing generally some stuff going on in 40k at the moment and where our thoughts and uh, feelings are on that subject. Uh, so hello, uh, Iron Wolf, hello. Uh, Sergio Heim. Uh, ah. Eric Corn, uh, how yes, we're Spaniards, amazing. Uh, were you guys nice watching? Work, good prediction. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, okay. yeah, it's good. It good Spanish Age of Sigma community, really big. The forty k Spanish, uh, uh, <laughs> the the Spanish forty k community, huge, right? Um, after America, biggest in the world. Uh, wow. They actually run the big. They, they run after LPO, all the biggest tournaments order in Spain. They've run this in. They run this team tournament. It's like freaking seven, eight hundred people. It's insane. I need to go at some point. <laughs> that's just a fact. I need to go there at some point. Me too. But, they, it, but it's, one, it's one of these funny things. It's like you know they're, they're, they're this massive community, but because the community obviously Spanish and therefore not English speaking, none of us know about it. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, if you guys have just if you guys have just uh, the Talavera Grand it, Tournament, Talavera. Talavera. Is, yeah. If we if, if WTC had gone to Spain, it'd be those guys hosting us. Oh, Talavera. nice. Boom. Well. Well, if you uh, if you guys haven't uh, tuned in before, uh, Sunday nights, me and Neil and Tom do some chatting. I'm live every day, midday, um, so midday UK time, uh, which I have done now for 420 days in a row. Uh, and then we uh, we also wait. This are is 420. Yeah, 420. Nice. Uh, and we're also we're also live every Monday night talking Age of Sigma and every Thursday night talking 40k, as well as doing event coverage on our sister channel, the T Sports Network. So if you guys want to watch like live coverage of Warhammer 40,000 or Age of Sigma. Um, we have lots of events, so you guys should check that out because it's very good. Um, uh, yeah, but we don't smell well on uh, smell well on Talavera. Uh, now nah, is a joke. I think he's t- saying that everyone I mean, at Talavera stinks. Entirely possible. I've not been. I don't know. <laughs> is there a river that goes through it? You never know. Venice is meant to really smell, you know. It is. It is meant to really smell. Um, it, yeah, like, it does. Lo- low tide and heat is bad in Venice. Oh. <laughs> So what you're saying is go in winter. Yeah, very much. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I think that's, I think that's, is that all of the subjects? So we've talked about, we, we today we've discussed. Um, we've rambled. Uh, judging. No, I think yeah. we've discussed Jakari judging and the variety of events. I think they're all really fascinating things. I think the yeah. judging thing is going to be very interesting. Obviously, the size and scope of some of the HCMR and 40k tournaments over the next year are going to be stupendous. As we come yeah. out of lockdown, as these tickets sell, as more and more TOs are putting on events, I think that there's going to be a general consensus, like a general kind of like revisiting of all, most of these subjects time yeah. and time again. It's going to be what's going on with a super strong army, what's going on with events, and you know how can we improve the quality of them generally for people, and then also you know uh, what do we need to make it so that those events are as fair and as quality as possible. And I think that there's a lot of challenges there for the community to process, ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about... something I'm super passionate about because, you know, I've kind of accidentally positioned myself for this, like, you know, Mr. Referee. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, and I'm just super passionate. I just want, you know, I want the community to grow. I want events to grow. I want, I want to be in a place where, you know, everyone's playing 40K and getting the best experience possible at tournaments that they can get, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Very, 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 yeah, very socialist of me. I am quite socialist at heart. Unlike me. Yeah. Uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you got He's any a dirty fascist. 
<laughs> have you got any thoughts? <laughs> uh, nicely seeing every call today. Have you got any thoughts um, on any of these things that you think we might have left off the table? Oh, your mic, bud. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I did that to I moved around. Okay, yeah, not particularly. I, I did want to give a quick shout-out before we left to um, to Chapter Master Valak, actually, who had, a, who had an accident, and he's currently in hospital, uh, oh. having wrecked a bunch of bones. Um, so I wish him a speedy recovery, but apart from that, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, same. Uh, we mirror that uh, sentiment as well. Like I shared it as soon as I saw it earlier. I uh, hope he's really well. Um, I'd, li- I'd like him to come back with some really shit takes soon as um so uh, no like i fucking love the guy i want the guy to recover yeah, he's, he's, i want i want yeah. i want i want more of that terrible takes back yeah i don't want them to go away tom because they fill me with joy yeah so get that okay, guy fair. well okay. yeah heal him up yeah get him back so i can disagree with everything he says get him in okay Good. yeah <laughs> get him in okay yeah like if i could if i could fix him with my healing hands i'd get onto it uh, which would be uh, nice. So yeah, that's a nice shout out. Uh, Neil, you got any shout outs? Um, no, not like I think of. Be on my usual. Get on Patreon. Honest War Gamer. Support Rob. All the things you mm-hmm. do, you know, so that Rob can actually you know feed himself and not you know have to as a as a dive in in, in rubbish bins because he doesn't see the uh, the, the duck that is. Uh, I'll never stop restaurant that. Serving. I'll never stop that. It's just so fun. <laughs> but, uh, but, you, so you do, but you do an amazing job. You do an amazing job, and obviously you support WTC, but just generally do an amazing job, Rob. I think everyone should support you. While we're on that, Neil, actually, we've still got uh, a couple of tickets. Only a couple of tickets left for the team event at the end of June, I believe, Rob. Right. Yeah. So if anyone wants to chat, Marcus, I'm looking at you, mate. Anyone wants to come play one day of team tournaments down in Nottingham? At the T Sports Arena, go and grab those. Uh, we'll put the link in the, the chat. And as, and as soon as we're all vaccinated yeah. here in Europe, I know Before me and myself, Tom and Ishik are going to come and Piotr, we're gonna, me, Tom, Ishik, and Piotr are going to come yeah. over and uh, lose. Yeah. Badly. If you're by yourself and you don't have a team and you want to get involved, message me. I'll sort you out on it. It'll be fine. Okay. Brilliant. Well, listen, it's been lovely having you both on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, some really, really fun uh, stuff. Uh, how do we get these tickets? No problem. I'll give you a link in the chat in but Boom. moments. Um, if you just give me half a heartbeat to sort this out. Um, and <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Do you guys want to raid someone today? Because we've been raided by these, these gentlemen. You can, do you guys yeah. want to raid someone? Let's have a look. Oh, going to have a quick look. See who's Neil, on. do you want to have see, a look, mate? I can see some really sexy uh, models. Let's have a quick look. Well, oh, you know what? Should we raid a Silent War gaming? Let's raid a Silent War gaming. They're live. They're Swedish. They're awesome. Asylum Wargaming. And they're actually playing the they're playing some games right now. Cool, cool, cool. Lovely. So we've done that. Thanks everyone for tuning in uh, live. You've all been brilliant. Thank you to you two for joining me. Uh, don't forget to join me tomorrow midday. Also tomorrow at six p.m. Uh, for the ages, well, the uh, the uh, the Games Workshop reveal launch or whatever. The oh flip oh yeah, it's like it's during the week, isn't it? Yeah, we need to work this out, actually, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Have a nice day, and see you soon. <laughs>